friends. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Andy and I'm all about helping to just prepare women to do the one thing or the many things that God's called them to do. And for me, that's the entire point of this podcast is like God has called us. Let's get ready and let's do that together. Spiritual maturity and really growing in Christ and enjoying him like you've only dreamed about happen when you get the courage to start thinking. And this is where self-leadership begins. This is what First Timothy, in my opinion, refers to when it says, train yourself for godliness. And that's what we want to happen. We want God to train us for godliness because he has such incredible stuff that he wants to use you for and me for. So let's train up. Before we jump in too far into this podcast, there's one thing you really need to keep in mind, and it's important because if you don't keep this in mind, you're just going to be offended by me. In this podcast, I'm talking to myself, well, actually my 23-year-old self, and there are three rules I use to do this. Number one, I just share stories and lessons learned about the things God's taught me. Number two... Remember, I'm talking to my 23-year-old self. It's me 20 years ago. So when I say you, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you or me, at least my 23-year-old version of me. Number three, no need to generalize or feel like you've got to make everything fit to you because remember, I'm talking specifically to my 23-year-old self. So just roll with it and make it fit your context though. Let's go. So... Here's the big idea for today. You've been told, you've been told this, you've been told that the way to live your God-given calling is through one primary thing, knowing God. Like the extent to which you know God is basically equal to the extent that God will use you. In other words, the more you know God, the more God will use you, right? And therefore, the flip side's true. The less you know God, the less God will use you. But, and this is huge, it doesn't just end with God. Here's a better idea about living in our God-given calling. The more you know and accept God, and the more you know and accept yourself, will be the extent that you live your God-given calling. So let's get into this. You're all about knowing God. You are. And it's awesome. Like the memories I have of you staying up all night long to pray and worship and just be with God. And like the risks you took as a young teenager to test God and see if he was really who he said he was. And you did dangerous and crazy and interesting and bold things to know him. And remembering those things, like it takes my breath away. But here's the rub. You're all about knowing God. But you do all you know to do to avoid knowing you. So last week I asked you to picture yourself as a big old 747 airplane. Put that same image front and center in your mind for the next few minutes. Like picture that 747 massive jet flying high above the clouds 
and you're traveling at like 600 miles per hour and keep in mind you are that 747 massive airplane. So last week we talked about the need to monitor and lead yourself by being really, really aware of your thinking. This is called self-leadership. Because if you're not aware of your own thoughts, it's like nobody's in your cockpit leaving you seriously in a dangerous situation. And as we talk about the need to not just know God to fulfill your God-given calling, but the need to really know yourself, it requires getting into the cockpit, sitting down, and letting God train you. Because really, how well can you fly the plane to wherever God wants to take you if you don't know the gauges and the buttons and you can't read and you don't understand the control panel? And here's what's crazy. They're all sitting right in front of you. But you, and remember, I'm talking to myself 20 years ago. It's like you just don't want to look at your own control panel and your own gauges. It's like you don't want to understand what they mean. And here's the reality. Until you understand your own cockpit and gauges and buttons, I'm telling you, you can't effectively get wherever God wants to take you. Or here's a better way to say it. You'll get there because God's crazy gracious to you. But you're going to encounter so much turbulence and you're going to burn up way more fuel than needed. And in the end, sometimes you're going to end up in the wrong airport. Like, I think you get the point. And on and on and on these things go because you don't know your own gauges, meaning yourself. So, why don't you just sit in the cockpit and get to know your own gauges? Like, why don't you do that? Because when you start to pay attention to your own thoughts, you're going to see the truest reflection of yourself and that simply freaks you out. It's like you're really afraid of what your thoughts will reveal to you and they will reveal things to you. So you keep your head in the sand so you don't really have to know who you are. And it's like you avoid coming face to face with your own self. So just to clarify, do you see the juxtaposition? It's like you're all about knowing God, but you're also really all about not knowing yourself. It's a strange way to live when you hold your own self at an arm's length. But here's what's true, and I just love it about God. The more you know Jesus, the more he reveals not only himself, but yourself to you. It's true. It's true. The more you are with Jesus and inviting him in deep to reveal himself to you, the more he reveals not only himself, but also yourself. It's like a two for one deal. It's like BOGO right now. Like buy one, you just get this because you got the other. So here's another thing that's true. God will do this work for you. He just will. As you're inviting him and asking him, God, will you go deeper? I want to know you and be with you and experience you and be used and like your partner with you. He will do this work for you. Your role is to let him fly the plane while staying in the cockpit with him. 
Because when God starts showing you who you are and who he is, it takes everything in you to actually stay in the seat and not jump ship or not go airborne. Because it's one thing you want to put your eyes on God, but I'm telling you, it's like you just don't want to put your eyes on you because you don't want to see who you really are. And babe, you've worked well and hard to cover up who you really are. And I want to tell you, until you, if you really want to know who Jesus is, it's going to mean knowing who you are. And if you want to know who you are, it will also mean in the truest sense, you're going to know who Jesus is. And when God starts showing you and using his people to show you who you are and who you're becoming and who he's made you to be, the number one thing that will mark a long season is the need to change who you really are. So I'm going to say that one, one more time. As God starts showing you and using his people to show you who you really are and who you're going to become and who he's making you to be, this really long season is going to be marked by this desire to change who you really are. Like the more that you see who you are, the more there's going to be this urge to change who you are. And some of that's a really healthy approach and some of it's a really unhealthy approach. So here's what it looked like for me. Boy, I was 10 months. I was 10 months into the hardest season in my life up to this point. Like by far the hardest. I'm going to tell you that whole story on another day, but to paint a picture for you, I want you to think depression, oh, for Pete's sake, the impression, anxiety, confusion, like, God, what are you doing? Who am I? What happened? What on earth? Where are you? Like this true sense of isolation, both because you need it and it's what God's doing in this weird way. And here's the weirdest part. This season is marked by this serious questioning of whether or not God left you. Because for all intents and purposes, I'm telling you, it's going to feel like God absolutely left you. So here's the story. It's like one day I'm driving alone in my car in my white little minivan on that side of town. And I'm telling you out of nowhere, like I mean nowhere, this question lands in my mind with this heavy thunk. And I don't say this very often, but I knew this question was from God and it was meant for me to answer and it was serious and it was obvious that it was serious. And this question was actually really simple, like really simple. Here's the question God asked me, did God make everything? Did God make everything? Okay, so for the record, I've never struggled with creationism. I've never struggled with wondering if it was God who really made the universe and the world just like it was described in Genesis 1 and 2. Never. I've never wondered or questioned if that was true. But this question jolted me. Like, it arrested me. It was all I could think about. And I knew... Oh my goodness, I knew an answer would be required from me to God. So for the next few days, I thought and I thought and I thought about this question. 
and I stayed awake in bed for hours and I struggled with this question and I'm thinking, did God make everything? And I'm not saying I struggled in a way of doubt, but I mean internalizing the actual full truth of this with heavy conviction is what the struggle was. It's like, did God make everything? Andy, did he? Did God make everything? And a couple days later, I confidently and with a heavy, firm, true conviction that I knew the answer to this question, I answered God. And I told God, God, you asked a question. I'm ready to give you the answer. God, you made everything. And just like that, I mean quick, another question came from God. And this question had the same amount of heaviness and it felt like the fear of God on it. Like I will stand before God just as heavy as his question came to me, felt like my answer will come to him. And this next question was strange. And God asked me, is everything God made good? Here was his question. Is everything that God made good? And for like a whole day, I was absolutely consumed by this question. And I was thinking like, God made everything. I know it. I know he made everything. But is everything he made good? Is it all good? Like every single thing. And I would be sitting in my bedroom looking out the window and being like, God made that tree. I know he did. Is it good? God made that person. I know he did. Is it good? And on and on my thought process went and I wrestled and I wondered. And after just one day, I mean, with confidence and conviction and heaviness, I approached God and I said, God, my first answer to you was, yes, God, you made everything. And here's my answer to you, God, for the second question you answer, you, you gave to me. And my answer was this, God, you made everything and every single thing that you made is so wonderfully, overwhelmingly, totally good because you made it. And boom, I'm telling you, it was like, boom. The third and a final question from God came to me. And he asked, I'm telling you, it was as clear as day, not in my ear, but in my mind, this question came. And here's his final question. Did I make you? Did I make you, Andy Bruce? Did I make you? And it's like in a moment, I realized, oh, that's where this is going. This isn't about God and my theology and my thinking about him. This is 100% about me and my thinking about myself. It's like my theology and my belief about God was getting into my blue jeans for real. And I had this astounding realization that occurred to me in those moments. God made me. Because of those few days of wrestling with this question, I was sure of it. I cannot be convinced otherwise. God made me. 
And if God made me, and if everything he makes is good, then I am perfectly, wonderfully, and totally good. And I was like, God, wait, 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 God, wait. And I remember asking him specifically, God, are you telling me that me, with my stupid ADHD and all the dumb mistakes I make, and the fact I literally can't read and make sense of a calendar, and my unending like goofiness and impulsivity, and like just, I feel like an immaturity, like I'm always 13 years old, like this, and my deep, very passionate heart that I try to temper down, and I like, Andy, chill out. These aren't sin, but I've always been trying to change these things because in my opinion, they suck. But God, wait, you're saying you made me this way and you're good with this? But remember, I'd already given God my answers to those three questions he asked. God, you made everything and Every single thing that you made is wonderfully, imperfectly, and entirely good simply because you made that. And I'm telling you, in that moment, for like the very first time, I said, and so am I. God, you made me, and everything you make is perfectly, wonderfully good. And it is so, so, so good. And that's how you made me. You made me good, 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 good. And it's like I realized that all my life, I've been trying to hide and change and undo me. God's creation, like trying to undo it. Like this, if each one of my fingers represented one of those characteristics, like I can't read a calendar, I don't understand details, and I'm going to mess them all up, and I don't get time, and I'm passionate and over the top, it's like I'd worked so hard to change these, and it's like actually hide them at the edge of a desk like this, like, oh, don't see me, don't see all these things. I'm going to hide them under the edge of something so that you, my friend, can't see it. And really so that I, myself, can't see it. And really even so that God himself won't see these things that I had already deemed bad. And in that very moment, it was like God was twisting my wrist from hiding my fingers under the desk of all the things that represent me. And he was turning my wrist and my fingers upward for everybody to see, for him to see, not like he couldn't, but in my mind, for me to see, for you, for my friends, for my family to see. You see, it's not just about knowing God. It isn't, although it starts there every day of the week. It's about taking the journey of knowing God intimately and experiencing not only glimpses of who he is, but also receiving from him these intimate glimpses that are sometimes painful of who you are. And as he heals your brokenness, and as he heals your perception of yourself, like your fears, your shame, your faults, your sin, 
it's not that there's no turbulence on your 747, but I promise you there will be less and less of that crazy turbulence that warrants oxygen masks falling from the ceiling because it's such extreme turbulence. There's going to be less turbulence though that is caused by you when you sit in the cockpit with your pilot, Christ himself, and you let him show you your gauges and you let him tell you what each and every gauge means, where you've got it right, where you've got it wrong, where there's such an immense palpable amount of shame that it feels like you can't look at that gauge for a second longer without losing your stomach. And you just sit in that cockpit with God because this is where not only, not only do you know the gracious God who's like, in this one, my dear, look at this one. I made this gauge to look like this, but here's what happened to it. And it's jacked up now. And I will show you, I, God, will show you what it looks like for me to heal and restore this. And it will drop your jaw every time. And you're going to sit in the cockpit with God looking at all of your gauges and control panels. And you're going to experience this ridiculous amount of joy. Like straight up joy. And you're going to just, you can't get over it. You're going to be like, God, you made me. And it's so, so good. And this goodness and this joy has zero to do with pride. So you can get over that fear. Trust me, you're going to see pride over other instrument panels, but it won't be on this one. So for now, get in the cockpit, my sister. Invite God to join you and ask him to explain the instrument panels to you every single one as he wants to you don't have to like force his hand he's gonna do this with you he's gonna do this for you and take a deep breath as you look at your gauges and you start to experience God's love for those gauges which then eventually he will transfer to you as not your love for your gauges you already have enough self-love to last a lifetime but instead you're gonna experience God's love in your own heart for those gauges. And this, my dear, is the way to not only living your God-given calling, but enjoying and receiving and being not only satisfied in your God-given calling, but so deeply able to authentically cheerlead her God-given calling and her God-given calling and his God-given calling and their God-given calling because not only are you really close and intimate with your pilot, but you are being taught your gauges in a way that you no longer have the need to compare or worry or fret over their gauges looking better. So enjoy the journey. Invite your, your pilot right into your cockpit. Take a deep breath and enjoy the process of God teaching you about your own instrument panel.